Democrats are officially impeaching President Trump, escalating to unprecedented and historic heights their three-year crusade to overturn a presidential election and subvert our constitutional order. Have they finally gone too far? As the left threatens to undermine our laws, open our borders, steal our property, destroy our institutions, and force taxpayers to fund the wholesale slaughter of infants, the stakes of the 2020 election become clear. The left wants a fight. We will examine the political merits of scorched earth. Then Pete Buttigieg channels his inner Beto. A New Jersey Democrat politician defends the murder of Jews and Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch comes under fire for wishing someone a Merry Christmas. All that and more. I'm Michael Knowles and this is The Michael Knowles Show. They're doing it. Impeachment is happening. It's officially happening today. The Democrats have the votes. They will be able to impeach the president. This impeachment is a big deal. I know it seems like it isn't. I know it's so ridiculous that they've been trying to do it for three years now. We've kind of lost interest in it. This is a big deal. President Trump will be only the third president in American history to be impeached. The third out of 45 presidents. He will be the first president to be impeached without any reason whatsoever, without even the, the pretense of having committed an impeachable offense. The Democrats dropped that. There's no bribery charge. So it's just about removing a guy that they don't like from office. This does not matter politically right now. This does not hurt Trump right now. Trump will be acquitted just as soon as cocaine Mitch can snap his powdery fingers. He will be acquitted. We will forget about this possibly within weeks. But historically, this really matters. Historically, we are in a position now where the constitutional order, the separation of powers, might be fundamentally broken. Historically, we might now be in a position where rather than having three co-equal branches of, of government, the president, the legislature, and the judiciary, We may now be in a situation in which the legislature, the Congress, reigns supreme over the executive, and the executive is is basically just serving at the pleasure of the Congress, a a fundamental perversion of our constitutional order. The, The problem with impeachment here is not a problem in the here and now. That's why Democrats think they can get away with this and that it doesn't matter and they can give a little bit of, uh, a little bit of red meat to their base. What matters here is the historical question. President Trump knows that. So Trump is speaking out. He just sent a letter to members of Congress, of course, to Nancy Pelosi in the Senate, but also a letter to history. It's six pages long. I will give you just the highlights. The whole thing is a highlight, but I will give you just the the top highlights. First, I've got to thank our friends over at Ring. You know how important it is to feel safe, speaking of your loved ones and your posterity. This season can be a whirlwind of deliveries, visitors, and holiday travel. So it's the best time of year to upgrade your doorbell and keep an eye on who is coming to your house, whether it's a guy delivering a package from Amazon or whether it's your mother-in-law coming over. Ring helps you stay connected to your home from anywhere. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you will get an alert. You will be able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. And it doesn't matter where you are. You could be in your bedroom. You can be in your office. You can be on a beach somewhere across the country. You can be going over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house. You will still be able to check in on your home. It just makes you feel 
safe. You know, sweet little Lisa's a pretty good shot, but still when I'm on the road, I like to know that she can feel safe. As a listener, you have a special holiday offer on a Ring Starter Kit available right now with a Ring Video Doorbell 2 and motion-activated floodlight camera. The Starter Kit has everything you need to start building a ring of security around your home, no matter what this holiday season brings you. With Ring, you're always home. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That's ring.com slash Knowles. Additional terms may apply. So Trump sent a letter. He, he's Trump unleashed. He's finally broken his somewhat silence. I don't, he never had a silence about this issue, but he hasn't been as public in his opposition to the impeachment as you might expect from a guy who tweets all the time. He sent a six page letter for historians, even though the letter is addressed to Nancy Pelosi. Here are the highlights. Dear Madam Speaker, I write to express my strongest and most powerful protest against the partisan impeachment crusade being pursued by the Democrats in the House of Representatives. This impeachment represents an unprecedented and unconstitutional abuse of power by Democrat lawmakers unequaled in nearly two and a half centuries of American legislative history. All true, he goes on. By proceeding with your invalid impeachment, you are violating your oaths of office, you are breaking your allegiance to the Constitution, and you are declaring open war on American democracy. You dare to invoke the Founding Fathers in pursuit of this election nullification scheme, yet your spiteful actions display unfettered contempt for America's founding, and your egregious conduct threatens to destroy that which our founders pledged their very lives to build. Absolutely beautiful, absolutely right. He goes on. This is the money line. This is my favorite line of the entire letter. You are the ones interfering in America's elections. You are the ones subverting America's democracy. You are the ones obstructing justice. You are the ones bringing pain and suffering to our republic for your own selfish, personal, political, and partisan gain. Now he backs this up. He backs up the, this claim about Democrats subverting the constitutional order and just trying to get their own political agenda across with no regard for the constitution. He backs this up by citing many examples of Democrats over the past few years, simply pledging that they're going to get this guy out of office regardless of whether he commits an impeachable offense or not. Here is a quick cut of this that the RNC then put into an advertisement to come out at the same time as the letter. This is about preventing a potentially disastrous outcome from occurring next year. And I'd like to impeach the bastard right now. An imposter. He really should be punished. That charlatan in the White House. We're going to impeach the motherfucker. I am not running for anything except the impeachment of Trump. We cannot accept a, a second term for Donald Trump. If we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. So that's what it's all about. And we know that's what it's all about. Trump is not trying to convince Democrats not to be utter partisans to the detriment of the country. What he's trying to do in this letter is show historians how wrong this whole process was. And, and that's what you get in his final paragraph. He says, he says it explicitly. I write this letter to you for the purpose of history and to put my thoughts on a permanent and indelible record. 100 years from now, when people look back at this affair, I want them to understand it and learn from it so that it can never happen to another president again. Great letter. A great 
letter. I think he's right about the historical point. I think in a hundred years, people will look back on this impeachment as a, a truly shameful period of American history. Either when our constitutional order was sort of irreparably sent down this broken path, or this, this path of no return, or it will be a moment when we all reflect and say, hmm, we'd rather preserve our constitutional order than push our own partisan interests. But this is a real moment. We've never seen something like this before. We've seen impeachments too, and a process begun for Richard Nixon before he resigned. But only two impeachments. The, the difference here is there's really not even a pretense of having committed an impeachable offense. That poses a fundamental risk to the way that our government is structured. You might say that history won't look kindly on Trump because of all the terrible, awful, no good, rotten things he did. It's very difficult to figure out how history will look in the heat of the moment because we all have our partisan political passions. If you can just kind of cool down your emotions about this, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I know that if the left could cool down their emotions and historians look back on the Trump era, what are they going to see? They're going to see a great economy. They're going to see, in terms of domestic policy, a sort of moderate Republican president. They're going to see a guy pulling back on our wars overseas. They're going to see a guy getting tough on trade with some of our trading partners or trading adversaries. They're going to see a guy who was impeached without having committed an impeachable offense. That is going to look pretty good for Trump. It's going to look pretty bad for the Democrats. I mean, even just consider George W. Bush. George W. Bush, who had a fine couple terms in office. At the time, everyone said he was Hitler. He was the worst president in American history. He was an idiot. He was adult. He was evil. He was terrible. Now, with the hindsight of 10 years, people look back on him and say, oh, yeah, he was fine. Even Democrats look back and say, yeah, he was fine. Whatever. Imagine what history will say about President Trump with this truly unprecedented impeachment. I love the letter because it shows you the stakes. The left is pushing open borders, full-on property confiscation, taxpayer-funded abortion, the redefinition of biological sex, literally the redefinition of our own nature, and now the complete undermining of our constitutional order. When you look at that, when you look at the stakes of that, and you consider any opposition you might still have to President Trump as a conservative or a centrist or a moderate or a libertarian or any of those, those philosophies. You've got to ask yourself, who cares about the tweets? Who cares? Who cares what he said about John McCain? Who cares what he said about Rosie O'Donnell? Who cares about any of that nonsense? You've got the American left posing a fundamental danger to our constitutional order and you've got a loudmouth reality TV host who's actually been a pretty good president. <laughs> that's not a tough choice for me. And I don't think that's a tough choice for a lot of Americans. Where some people see only risk, only threat, only danger in this impeachment. I got to tell you, I see some great opportunity. We will get to that opportunity in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Honey. You know, this time of year, you got to try to get the best deals because you're buying gifts for everybody. It's hard online. The prices are fluctuating all the time. That's where Honey comes in. Honey is a free browser extension that automatically finds the best promo codes whenever you shop online. 
automatically. So you're always getting the best deals without even trying on over 20,000 sites such as Amazon, Target, Best Buy, all the top sites, more. Honey has found over 10 million members over a billion dollars worth of savings. I've been using Honey since before the Daily Wire even existed. All right, I, I've heard about this from some techie friends of mine, and I, 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 I am certainly among the 100,000 people who have positively reviewed this, given it five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. I, I don't know that I could tell you the last time I used Honey because I always use Honey. I, w- I was using Honey just last night when I was buying last-minute Christmas gifts. If you're buying gifts this season, then you need Honey. If you're not you probably know someone who is. So do them a solid. Tell them about Honey. It takes two clicks to install. You're going to love it. Right now, it is free. It installs in two clicks. Get it at joinhoney.com slash Knowles. K-N-O-W-L-E-S. That is joinhoney.com slash Knowles. In this impeachment, where some people are seeing only risk, only danger, I'm seeing some opportunity. It's a great opportunity. Never let a crisis go to waste, as Rahm Emanuel says. So, For the past few weeks, few months, we've been debating what is conservatism? What are we here for? What are we conserving? What do we stand for? The libertarians and the traditionalists and the religious right and the neoconservatives and the populists. What do we all stand for together? People accuse us of only opposing the left. They say the only thing that unites all the disparate factions among the conservative movement is triggering the libs. That's pretty much all we want to do. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe opposing the left is actually enough to unite all the disparate factions on the right. People forget this because we look back at history through rose-colored glasses because nostalgia is history after a few drinks. We think that the conservative movement from World War II until the fall of the Berlin Wall, that that was some pure amazing movement that had no problems with it and it had an affirmative plan. And I love Bill Buckley and Ronald Reagan as much as the next guy. But that entire conservative movement that persisted for the second half of the 20th century or more was based on opposition to communism. That's all that it was about. That's how you united the national security guys and the libertarians and the traditionalist types. The religious right too is by saying we oppose communism. The libertarians opposed communism because it was collectivistic. The social conservatives opposed communism because it was atheistic. We all came together, even though those groups didn't have a whole lot in common, we opposed godless communism. We wanted to trigger the international libs. And now that that same impulse is is bringing us together. The same impulse that gave us fusionism and the post-war conservative movement is keeping this Trump-era conservative movement together. All right? The left accidentally has given conservatives a reason to unite. Nowhere do we see this more clearly than impeachment. When they ask us, what do you stand for? I don't know. We stand for not letting men into the little girl's room. We stand for not killing a million babies a year. We stand for not stealing all of our property. We stand for not completely shredding our constitution. That's enough for me, all right? Maybe it doesn't fit beautifully on some manifesto somewhere. Maybe you can't sum it up in a one-sentence logline. But I oppose all of those things. I want to conserve our American traditions, our American republic. That's what I want to conserve. And if the only way that I'm going to unite all the various groups that have interests here is to oppose the left, good enough for me. Nancy Pelosi makes a fine villain. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi is a good enough reason for us all to come together. If they are going to throw out a president because they don't like how the election went, they're, they're not willing to play fair and square. 
in an election year, no less. We're, we're what, 15 days from an election, from entering into an election year now? But they can't wait for that because they know if they don't impeach Trump, he might very likely get reelected. There are still some Republicans who haven't gotten the message. I know it's hard to believe that. There are still like four never, ever, ever Trump conservatives out there. It's not a big deal. These kinds of cranks have always been around. There was an op-ed published in the New York Times just yesterday. Of course, it was in the New York Times called, We Are Republicans and we want Trump defeated. This is supposed to be some shocking message. Even the Republicans are breaking rank with Trump. This was written by George Conway, Kellyanne Conway's overgrown child. I guess she's technically married to him. Uh, Steve Schmidt, he's an old McCain, Romney type. John Weaver, who I actually worked with on a presidential campaign a number of years ago, but he's also very moderate Republican who's worked for Democrats, and Rick Wilson, another, another squishy Republican. So four rhinos, basically, I mean, four Republicans who aren't that kind of Republican, four Republicans who never want to be identified as such, they write this piece in the New York Times, which is the mouthpiece for the left, and they say, we need the president to be defeated. The president and his enablers have replaced conservatism with an empty faith led by a bogus prophet. Oh, the great conservatism, capital M with a trademark over the E. They've replaced that glorious ideology with pretty much the same thing. They replaced the conservative movement that opposed international communism with a conservative movement that opposes leftism more broadly. All right, whatever. It seems about the same to me. Then they write a bunch of nonsense and they talk about why they're not going to vote for Trump. I I mentioned this not to give this terrible op-ed any airtime. I mention it because the Times and the left and these never-Trump Republicans want to make it seem as though this is unprecedented, this is courageous, this has never happened before. This happens every election. I remember back all the way to Barry Goldwater in the 60s, you had some squishy fake Republican going on TV for Democrats and saying, look, I'm a Republican, but I could never vote for Barry Goldwater. Do we have it? I think it's it's a a commercial called Confessions of a Republican. I don't know just why they wanted to call this a confession. I I certainly don't feel guilty about being a Republican. I've always been a Republican. My father is, his father was, the whole family is a Republican family. I voted for Dwight Eisenhower the first time I ever voted. I voted for Nixon the last time. But when we come to Senator Goldwater, now it seems to me we're up against a, a very different kind of a man. This man scares me. Now maybe I'm wrong. A friend of mine has said to me, listen, just because uh, a man sounds a little irresponsible during a campaign doesn't mean he's going to act irresponsibly. You know that theory that the White House makes the man. I don't buy that. You know what I think makes a president? I mean, aside from his, his judgment, his experience, are the men behind him, his, 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 uh, his advisors, the cabinet. And so many men with strange ideas are, are working for Goldwater. There it is. I mean, you could replace that guy with George Conway. You could replace the word Goldwater with Trump. You'd get the exact same commercial. This always happens. Every year, there are some squish defectors who like being a conservative or a Republican in theory, 
but they're so afraid of contradicting the prevailing liberal leftist culture. And they don't want to lose friends at their parties in Washington, D.C. and New York and L.A. And they don't actually care about affecting the country all that much. They just, you know, they want to be respectable. And they wear nice suits and ties. And they have fancy glasses. And they sit in their chair a certain way. And they say, I'm a Republican, but not that kind of Republican. I mean, it's interesting to note that this sort of phenomenon in the modern era began with Barry Goldwater. Because Barry Goldwater was pushed as a conservative candidate, explicitly. This was right at the beginning of the conservative movement, the Bill Buckley National Review post-war conservative movement. And you had all these liberal Republicans like John Lindsay and Nelson Rockefeller and Dwight Eisenhower. And then you finally had some conservatives who stood for a different view, what Phyllis Schlafly called a choice not an echo. It wasn't just Democrat and Democrat light, but you had Democrat and conservative Republican. And that's when the squishes come out. And you're seeing the exact same thing here. You're seeing Republicans like these guys, George Conway, Steve Schmidt, Republicans nominally who work for squishy Republicans, who work for Republican, but not that kind of Republican, who work for Republicans who are no more than Democrat light. And you get this guy, Trump. And for some reason, Trump in particular really seems to irk them. You know what that tells us about Trump? It tells us that despite all of the commentary to the contrary, despite everything we've heard from the former gatekeepers of the Republican Party and movement conservatism, Trump is actually pretty conservative, much more conservative than any of the guys who wrote that op-ed, much more willing to fight for the things that once at least united the conservative movement than any of the guys who wrote that op-ed. We are up against a clear political adversary, a lunatic, destructive, aggressive left. All those other conversations are academic, okay? The, the left must be defeated. I'm, I'm channeling my inner Cato the Elder, the Roman Republic politician who said, Carthago delenda est. In my opinion, Carthage must be destroyed. <laughs> the left must be destroyed. The left delenda est. Our opponents oppose everything we stand for. Now look, our opponents are our countrymen. I'm not saying we got to hate these guys. I'm not saying we should be angry and furious at these guys, but I'm saying we must stop them. They cannot succeed. If they succeed, we don't have our country anymore. We'll have something else. But it's, it's not something that I'm eager to live in, that I'm eager to possess. I want to conserve our country, our constitution, our dignity of life, not killing a million babies a year, our own human nature, the, the very definition of sex itself, our property. I don't want people to come in and steal my property willy-nilly. Our separation of powers, our federal government, I want to conserve that. And that's the battle right now. And if you're upset because orange man said a mean tweet, or he one time made fun of Rosie O'Donnell or John McCain, or he, I don't know, used tariffs as a tool in a trade war, and that's too much for you. That's the line I will not cross. Then you should really rethink your priorities. If you say, well, Trump doesn't stand for anything. I think he does. I think it's pretty clear that he does. He's been a very successful president, but let's say he didn't. I don't care. Right. I, it is simply enough for, if, if I've got a choice of two candidates, one candidate has a completely 
internally consistent leftist worldview. And they want to undermine everything that I want to see in politics. And then you've got a candidate who has this kind of hodgepodge of a political ideology. And maybe some of it doesn't make sense together, but I know that at least he's going to try to stop the other guy from doing the things the other guy wants to do. That's enough for me. Okay. I'm more than happy to take what I can get. Politics is not the realm of the perfect. Politics is not some abstract concept where it's just floating in midair and we can have philosophical purity and everything works out great and we can't get our hands dirty. Politics is a real science. It is a practical science and it is the art of inclusion, as the New Jersey governor Tom Keene famously said. You got to bring a lot of people together. Bill Buckley did this incredibly effectively in the post-war conservative movement. Ronald Reagan did this incredibly effectively. And they didn't whine and complain and moan and say, oh, what do we all really stand for? Why can't we all agree perfectly? Why can't we have a perfect doctrinaire uh, manifesto of the five bullet points of conservatism that we all 100% agree to? Why do we have to have Ronald Reagan leading this? He's a divorced kind of former liberal governor who didn't even go to the right schools or work in the right think tanks. And he doesn't, doesn't even necessarily wear the right ties. He's kind of a Hollywood guy. Oh, how embarrassing for us. That's not who we are. That's not what we stand for. Give me a break. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of ironic because all these guys who are coming after Trump and the, and the people who support Trump, guys like that in that New York Times op-ed, they're saying that we're somehow betraying the conservative movement of Bill Buckley and Ronald Reagan. The, the opposite is true. Buckley, Reagan, Goldwater, those were, these were practical guys. They, they did something that many thought was not possible, and they did it by bringing people together who didn't exactly agree with each other ideologically, but they knew they had a common foe that needed to be defeated. That's exactly what we're seeing today. And the ones who don't have the stomach for it, the ones that don't have thick enough skin for it, the ones who don't have the vision for it, whine and complain, but they are not the heirs to the great successes of conservatives in American history. We are, and we have to keep pushing that victory. Just to drive this point home, because I think maybe some people think I'm being hyperbolic about it, our opponents so oppose what we believe as American conservatives, they refuse even to speak English. I'm not even just talking about Beto. I'm talking about Pete Buttigieg, Pito, Pito Obudigig, and Chuck Schumer and other leading Democrats. We'll get to that in a second. First, I got to thank our friends over at Quip, the Quip electronic toothbrush. It comes in super duper handy, whether you're at home or whether you're on the road. They make an incredibly sleek, cool toothbrush, and it helps you stick to a healthy brushing habit. I used to be a cheapskate. I used to use those regular old manual toothbrushes. It's like brushing your teeth with a stick. doesn't do a whole lot. My dentist finally tells me I need to use an electric toothbrush. Quip's electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. It cleans your teeth so much better. It makes it easy to stick to this healthy brushing habit. You can start with the electric toothbrush, then you get refillable floss, you get anti-cavity toothpaste. It's great. The Quip Floss Dispenser comes with a pre-marked string to help you use just enough so you don't end up with like reams of floss that you're not going to use. Quip delivers a fresh brush head floss and toothpaste to your door every three months with free shipping. Makes your routine so easy. Join the over three million healthy mouths and get Quip today. You can do that for just $25. 
Go to getquip.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Go there right now. You'll get your first refill free. First refill free at getquip.com slash Michael, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Quip, the good habits company. Our opponents so oppose what we believe that they refuse even to speak in English. You, you remember this from the debates. Just a little just a little reminder to take you down memory lane. Cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada, votar, ca cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. La, situa la situación ahora es inaceptable. Este presidente ha atacado, ha demandado a los inmigrantes. Es inaceptable y voy a cambiar este. Oh, congresista Aurora, ¿qué haría usted en el primer día, si usted es presidente, sobre esta realidad que está ocurriendo? What would you do, Congressman, day one at the White House? Vamos a tratar cada persona con el respeto y dignidad que merecen como humanos. Uh, me llamo Julián Castro y estoy postulando por presidente de los Estados Unidos. Hola, hola back everybody. This wasn't just at the debates that this is going on. Pete Buttigieg, who is ostensibly the moderate guy in the race, is jumping on this train too. He just tweeted out yesterday, El Pueblo Unido, Yamas será vencido which means the people united will never be defeated. This is a radical leftist slogan. Today, I'm proud to announce a bold, comprehensive plan to dismantle the institutional barriers that have kept Latinos from feeling like they fully belong in their country. Hey, here's one of those barriers, not speaking English. How about the people speaking English will feel like they're home at this country? How obviously the pandering is pathetic. The pandering is so transparent. But probably the number one issue that keeps Latinos from feeling like they're welcome in America is when they speak a different language. It's very hard to feel welcome if you don't understand what everyone else in the country is speaking, what they're saying. And the move from the left to not just to discourage assimilation and discourage learning English, which is pretty new. Barack Obama told people to learn English when they got to this country. And that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. When, and he was actually doing it more recently. He was doing it as late as 2014, 2015. When you've got now Democratic presidential candidates, not only discouraging learning English, but actually speaking horrible, absolutely indecipherable Spanish themselves, you have gotten to a level of radicalism that is truly boggling to the mind. And it's not just Buttigieg who's doing it. It's Schumer too. And it's, by the way, this problem is not just at the federal level. The radical leftism is at the state and local level. A, uh, a Seattle, a Seattle agency to deal with the homeless just used taxpayer money to, to, uh, sponsor a drag queen strip show at one of its events. New Jersey school board member is defending an, a, a recent racist attack on Jews. There is a lot of radicalism here. We'll get to that in a second. First, listen up. I'm going to save you time and money this Christmas season. The perfect gift for your loved ones is what? You know, it's so obvious. A Daily Wire gift membership. From now until January 1st, all Insider Plus gift memberships will be 25% off. 
That means that your loved one will get all the fantastic perks plus the majestic, important, necessary leftist tears tumbler, and you will get the savings. Go to dailywire.com slash gift to get your 25% off. That is dailywire.com slash gift to get 25% off, 25% off all Insider Plus gift memberships this Christmas season. Give them a gift. They will thank you for all year long. Dailywire.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. It's not just Beto. Poor Beto. You remember Beto? I barely do. It's not just Beto. It's not just Cory Booker. I guess he's technically still in the race. Probably not for that long. It's not just Pete Buttigieg. Even Chuck Schumer yesterday was tweeting out in Spanish for just no reason at all. That's pretty divisive. Language forms the basis of our politics because politics is just how we all live together and persuade one another to live in society. If you don't speak the same language, that becomes impossible. And, and even now, Chuck Schumer, the Senate minority leader, is encouraging this sort of division in the country. We're not seeing this radicalism only at the federal level. Down in Seattle, Seattle has this horrific homeless crisis going on right now. A lot of cities do. My own city does. LA, San Francisco, obviously. New York, it's getting worse. DC, it's getting worse. So the crisis of homelessness in Seattle is not getting any better. And an agency which has the job of tackling this homeless issue just recently spent taxpayer dollars on a strip show, not just any strip show, a transgender strip show. The transgender performer, Beyonce Black St. James. So this is a guy who now identifies as a woman, recently stripped at the all-home conference in South Seattle for a group of homeless advocates because that's what they need. They don't need food. They don't need help from addiction. They don't need psychiatric counseling. These homeless people, you know what's really been keeping them on the streets and keeping them down on their luck? They haven't seen enough transsexual strip shows. And so the taxpayer money from Seattle is now being spent to give them this important form of entertainment. I think it's just what they need to lift their spirits, lift they're a lot in this world and get off the streets, right? Just unfortunately, for some reason, we actually have video of this. We actually have a clip. Just give this a listen. <laughs> so now what we're seeing I, I don't even want to describe it. I don't want, if you are just listening to this right now, I, I think you're probably better off. Whatever you're imagining is definitely better than what I am looking at. I, I had not seen this video before, and I hope that I never have to see it again. That is unimaginable five years ago. We're, we're not like we're prudes or anything here, okay? We're not clutching our pearls. It's just simply a fact that taxpayer money being sent on transsexual strip shows would be unfathomable five years ago. And yet, here we are. Do you oppose that? Okay, you oppose that? Then you're with the conservatives. Okay, I don't care your specific views on tariffs. I don't care your specific views on 
religion. I don't care for this political question whether you go to church every week. I don't care if you think the government should do this or that or the other thing on some other question. Do you oppose that, that kind of radicalism? Then you're with us. That's, that's pretty much the message of the conservative movement today. And by the way, it was the message of the conservative movement even 40 years ago. It's not just up in Seattle. At the level of East Coast local politics, a New Jersey school board member, Democrat, just recently came out to defend the assailants who murdered uh, a number of Jews at a kosher supermarket last week. Joan Terrell Page is a New Jersey school board member. She posted this on Facebook. Where was all this faith and hope when black homeowners were threatened, intimidated, and harassed by, I want to buy your house, brutes of the Jewish community? They brazenly came on the property of Ward F. black homeowners and waved bags of money. Resistance was met with more threats of, we will bring drug dealers and prostitutes to live next door to you. You will sell to us then. Where was the faith and hope? Mr. and Ms., and, and these are the names of the people who went and shot up this market. They went directly to the kosher supermarket. I believe they knew they would come out in body bags. What is the message they were sending? Are we brave enough to explore the answer to their message? Are we brave enough to stop the assault on the black communities of America? My people deserve respect and deserve to live in peace in this city. That is as clear a defense of these two cold-blooded killers one of whom, at least, was a black Hebrew Israelite, one of them was a black supremacist member who went into this kosher supermarket, killed a bunch of Jews. That's a defense of that. How, how much of that story have you heard about? Have you read about? If you pay attention to conservative media, you probably heard about it. If you're watching the networks, if you're watching CNN, MSNBC, probably you haven't heard a whole lot about that because they won't deal with that kind of radicalism. You know, at least the right when we've got these really obvious, bigoted, awful people, we deal with them ourselves. The left does not do that so much. To, to put the little cherry on top of this, this radical Sunday, in the media, the left can't even tolerate that Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch wished someone a Merry Christmas on television. Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch, good morning to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love that you say that. What an honor to, to talk to you. Merry Christmas. Thanks. It's nice to say that. Merry Christmas to you. Here's the response from the left, from Sean Kent, who's a blue check mark leftist on Twitter. On Fox News, Neil Gorsuch made a point to say Merry Christmas, like he just gained the freedom to say it under Trump. This guy is such a worst case scenario of a stolen Supreme Court seat. Worst case scenario, Christmas. Christmas is the worst case scenario for this leftist. Just a little historical tidbit, by the way. You know who else considered Christmas to be the worst case scenario? The devil, that's who. <laughs> uh, another uh, leftist on Twitter has hundreds of thousands of followers. Amy Vanderpool tweeted out, quote, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch just appeared on Fox and Friends this morning, making a point to parrot the Merry Christmas talking point of the GOP. Merry Christmas is now a GOP talking point, according to mainstream leftists. If he's willing to go on Fox and throw a shout out to Republican narratives, what else is he willing to do? Republican narratives. Merry Christmas is a Republican narrative now? That used to be kind of the basic thing that would unite us all, okay? Even if we disagreed over tax rates or something. At least you could all wish each other a Merry Christmas. 
Now, Merry Christmas, total right-wing talking point. Now, the, the logical conclusion of that, by the way, is that if conservatives lose, if the left gets their way, there's no more Merry Christmas. It's funny because this, this woman, Amy Vanderpool, is actually legitimating the war on Christmas narrative. So often the left says, there is no such thing as a war on Christmas, even though obviously there is. They rename Christmas trees holiday trees. Corporate America bans the word Christmas from their Christmas sales and their Christmas marketing. Starbucks gets rid of anything that he might in any way invoke Christmas on their coffee cups a few years ago. Then they learned that lesson. They brought some of it back. Obviously, there's a war on Christmas. They usually deny it. Now they're not denying it. Amy Vanderpool is saying, yeah, Merry Christmas is a Republican talking point. I hate that a Supreme Court justice said Merry Christmas on television. This is a worst case scenario. And Merry Christmas is a Republican narrative. All right, I guess there is a war on Christmas. The thing is, the best part, the silver lining, if there is a war on Christmas, we're winning it. And we can see the celebrations of that when Eric Trump, one of President Trump's sons, went on Janine Pirro's show on Fox News, and they all sort of celebrated this. They all kind of laughed and enjoyed the fact that in terms of the war on Christmas, Christmas is winning. Eric and I were talking about what's going on with impeachment and the FISA and all that, but will you guys be able to just forget about all of it and really enjoy the fact that you really are part of the first family. You are the first family. I mean, you, you've done wonderful things for this country. We now don't have uh, the political correctness that we used to. I mean, people are actually saying Merry Christmas. You can say Merry Christmas again. Yes, Isn't that yes. so nice, Janine? I love it. I love Christmas trees. I love Santa over here. I mean, you know, how do you feel that your, your father has done all of that, Eric? It's incredible. It is nice to say Merry Christmas again. It is. It is. It was discouraged for a while. You don't need to take my word for it. This is not some right-wing conspiracy. Municipalities, cities, were actually renaming Christmas trees to be holiday trees. What holiday? There's only one holiday that you have a tree for around December 25th. But it, Christmas became the holiday that must not be named for a long time. And then so much of the reason Trump was elected is because people were fed up with political correctness. Now we're winning. And I think we forget this sometimes. We forget that in 2016... Trump won. We're forgetting that now, over the past couple years, Christmas won the war on Christmas. Christmas is coming back around. We forget that we got our judges. We forgot that we got our tax rates. We forgot that the majority of Americans oppose impeachment and removal from office. We are winning. We're winning. Obviously, we won in 2016. We're winning on the impeachment polls. We win by opposing open borders. We win on restricting abortion. We win on not letting men into the girls' changing room, not letting men beat women at high school track meets. We win on all of these issues, despite the mainstream media's insistence otherwise, despite the constant negative press covfefe, to quote the president. This actually helps us. And there's so much hand-wringing over how we unite again. How do conservatives unite again like we used to in the good old days. It's the same answer as how we united back in the 20th century. We have to unite because we can't afford to lose. Good argument to me, and it's pretty motivating as we look into the future at the 2020 election. That is our show. 
Come back tomorrow. We'll have a whole lot more. Get your mailbag questions in. We will answer all of them. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you then. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies, director Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, assistant director Pavel Widowski, editor and associate producer Danny D'Amico, audio mixer Robin Fenderson, hair and makeup Jesua Olvera, production assistant McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. On the Matt Walsh Show, we're not just discussing politics. We're talking culture, faith, family, all of the things that are really important to you. So come join the conversation.